Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 134 of the podcast that was originally recorded on October 5th of 2016. This week we have a great interview with Sarah Erickson from Renegade Game Studios, and we talk about everything gaming. Next week I'll be back with another episode where I talk about more of the games that I've played as well as a few of the games that I want to play. But for now, enjoy the interview. gamers this is joe from what i'm playing now and i have sarah erickson with me from renegade game studios hi sarah how are you doing today wonderful how are you doing i am doing fine now we met at the alliance open house which was this was my first time actually going to one of those open houses which i thought was really cool seeing everything from the retailer perspective and everything yeah i'm sure you've been to several of those that was probably not your first rodeo when it comes to that. <laughs> not quite, no. <laughs> now, did you get a chance to go to any of the big shows this year? Did you get a chance to go to um, Gen Con or Origins or anything? Yeah, I went to both of them. So okay. as a director of sales and marketing, I go to all those big shows with um, Scott Gaeta, the president of Renegade, and it's sort of just him and I and then his wife, Robin, does accounting and that's our entire team. So we go to everything. <laughs> but yeah, the Alliance Open House is a little bit different than one of those big shows. First, because it is a retailer show. So it's very small, but the people you're talking to are all very knowledgeable and have a good reason to be there. So I really like those shows. They're just a lot more personal. There's a lot more time to really connect with people. And it's just a different vibe for sure. There's not the excitement and intensity of something like Gen Con, but it's still a really nice, relaxed, good, personable show. Yeah, this was my first Gen Con this year, and I went with um, Jim from Recess, and I we only stayed for a couple of days, so we didn't get to I didn't get to stay for the whole for the whole you know through Sunday. But at, well, I was just like you know the first day onto that show floor, I was like texting my wife like, wow, this is this is a little overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> overwhelming like, is, is a good word for it. <laughs> this is it. So I'm like sending her pictures like I am standing up against the wall and I could barely see through this sea of people in front of me. <laughs> Yeah, if you're claustrophobic, it's not a great place for you to be. <laughs> Very tight quarters. And I'm and I'm not claustrophobic, so I'm I'm kind of fine in those types of situations. But it just reminded me of when her and I had gone out to Pax East a few years ago, and we were standing oh, yeah. in a sea of people, and she gets a little like that, and she was like. I need to go stand against that wall for a few minutes. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I love Pepsi. So that's a super fun show. I haven't been to it in several years, but it just has a really nice, friendly vibe. It's all these other types of gamers. You've got video gamers and board gamers, and everybody's there, and they're just all so happy to be yes. in that space together. And I don't really get that same feeling from any other show, and I love it. Pepsi is just so much fun, but yeah. it is also very crowded. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, when we were coming down that escalator, she just looked at me and just grabbed my hand saying this is all you she's like i am doing this for you <laughs> and then as the escalators that are way up high you start at the top of the show and you can see everything yes. you go down the escalators into the sea of people and booths it's a very cool introduction to it but it can be overwhelming and it, and it was really cool because i didn't realize there was as much board game stuff there because i do both video games and board games so we, you know, we started walking through all the video game stuff and I'm like, oh my God, you know, I heard about this game. I heard about that game. And then we went to the board game section and we were just like, I was like, 
wow. I was like, I didn't realize this was going to be this big and there were going, there was going to be this much stuff here. I was just like, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> it's exploded. And I think there's just so much crossover yeah. because I've always been a video gamer too. And I think that there's so much time that I've spent just on my own in front of a computer by myself. Maybe I have online friends, but I really want to go and just hang out at the local game store and play face to face with some of my friends that I actually know and can go do stuff with once in a while. And board games are great for that. So it's no surprise that people like both. Yes. Oh, I agree with you 100%. So you mentioned you're the marketing person at Renegade. How did you come up to end? How did you end up working at Renegade? And how long have you been there? Because I don't think (laughs) you've been there. I don't think you've been there too long, right? No, it's been a little more than six months now, but okay. there's a very, very long history there. <laughs> so I started out many, many years ago after graduating from college. I was a pulmonary immunologist, so I was working in a lab, but my husband graduated with an econ degree and he had something to do, so we bought the local game store. And for the last... Why, why not? Why not? You know, it just kind of makes sense at the time. Don't ask me why. <laughs> but for some reason, it seemed like a good idea, so we did that. <laughs> and strangely, after ten years or after four years, he really needed a manager so badly, and I was working basically full time at both jobs. So I just said, you know, I'm not going to do grad school yet. I'm going to hold off on that. I'm going to just be the manager of the store for a while. So I started doing that, and it was a blast. And I got connected with Wizards of the Coast and did some volunteer work for them at conventions. So I went to PAX East and Gen Con and PAX Prime and South by Southwest, strangely, uh, as part of the convention support team for Wizards of the Coast. Cool. And, yeah, and that was super fun. Always had a blast teaching Magic because I've played Magic forever. I love that game. I started playing when I found this really fantastic new video game that came out that was called Magic Online. And I thought that sounded really cool, so I started playing Magic as an online video game and then found out it was the real game when we opened the store and started playing it there. So what was your first expansion that you actually started playing Magic with? <sighs> oh, it was in the Invasion block. Okay. So that, so, so that was that was after my time because I started playing right after Arabian Nights came out. Oh, yeah, that was a little bit earlier. <laughs> yeah, they didn't add that to Magic Online until later. <laughs> Yeah, I, pl- I played I played Magic Online, and I still have my account. I have not loaded, I have not logged into it in a while, but I still yeah. I still get, I still get emails from Wizards every now and then. Here's your monthly summary. Oh, I know it's so sad. I get those too. <laughs> oh no, oh that's fun. Um, so yeah, so I started. I was playing Magic. I was uh, traveling around and having a blast working with Wizards. I was managing our store here locally. And one of the things that we were doing really well with at our store at the time was the World of Warcraft TCG. And it had been at Upper Deck, and uh, the license moved homes and went with Cryptozoic that was this brand new company. It was just formed. And I heard they were doing Worlds like a month after becoming a company. So I called them up and said, hey, I have a lot of experience running pretty big magic events. I've done a lot of volunteer work. Are you guys looking for people? I'd be happy to drive down to Vegas. My husband would love to play in the event, and I'll help you guys out. So that's when I went down there and met Scott Gaeta, Um, who at the time was one of the four owners of Cryptozoic. Mm -hmm. And after volunteering with them and flying all over the world helping with tournaments, he eventually said, you know, it would be great to have somebody who knows about retail stores 
and could come work for us as a liaison of sorts and be part of the organized play team. So he tricked me into moving to Southern California, which was <laughs> not, not a place that really suits my, my style very well. I love to hike. I love being outside. I live in Montana. I'm 15 minutes away from a million different trails I could go to. So I did move to Southern California, but it was a little rough. But we kept our store up here in Bozeman. And eventually, after a year, we moved back to Bozeman. Scott was gracious enough to let me keep my job. And eventually, he decided to leave Cryptozoic, and I left at the same time. And that was about two years ago now. So he left, and then I worked for Yellow for a little while, which was a fantastic experience. The Kino Tokyo line is really fun. A lot of really cool games. I love the um, French office team, too. So it was fun getting to work with some people overseas. That was really great, but then when Scott had a position open again, I couldn't really turn it down. It's just, <laughs> it, it was too much fun working with him the first time, and I was really excited to be part of such a tiny team and get to do a little bit different stuff. And I would be able to as just part of the sales team in the U.S. for Yellow, like I was before. So, well, I, I mean, you made a great choice in doing that because Renegade. You guys have been on a tear lately as far as game publishing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. some of the games you guys have released, it's like, you know, Lanterns, Lotus. I mean, everything you guys are touching, it's just like, I mean, I've had a couple of, you know, listeners are just like, you know, yeah, Renegade. They like love you guys. They're just like any game you guys put out. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're just like, it's an instant buy. They're like, I, we know it's a good game. I mean, what type of strategy are you guys using there to actually <laughs> choose these games that you guys are publishing and releasing? Because... I mean, it seems like you guys are just picking all the hot games to publish. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a few different things. So I think that Scott is really amazing at digging through an incredible amount of information about games that he gets from designers and filtering it down to just the very best ones. He does it very quickly compared to other publishers, I think, and he picks really fantastic games. But I think the other part of it is that we're in a day and age where almost all the games we're seeing are really good. Designers are amazing right now, and the bar has been set really, really high, but it just means you have to work that much harder getting the word out about the games and making sure they have incredible artwork and the components are really nice. So the easy part is getting a good game. The hard part is getting past all the other really good games. <laughs> but as a gamer, I'm pretty happy about that. There's a lot of good stuff out there right now. Now, do you get to playtest a lot of this stuff? Is there going through the decision process? I mean, does he, like, pull everybody in a room or send you, like, copies and say, hey, let's, you know, give this a shot. Let me know what you think. Yeah, so he does filter through most of the stuff to begin with, but we both went to Unpub this year and signed a couple games there, and one of them I've been really working on with the designer to do a little bit of development stuff and make it just a little cleaner and make it really polished for when we finish it off. But yeah, so I get to do a little bit of the development, although that isn't really my background. I'm really enjoying it. It's been a lot of fun. But as far as picking games go, he and I both talk about it. And if he sees something that looks cool, he'll send it to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? But in the end, most of the time, he's just usually right. If he really likes it, it's probably amazing. <laughs> but if I see something that I think is just really cool, I'll send it to him too and be like, hey, check this one out. So it's fun. It's, it's very good back and forth. Now, you mentioned you like to, you know, play games with people face-to-face -face and stuff like that. Have you ever played around with Tabletopia or any of the online, like, gaming services? Yeah, for, one of the games that, 
Yeah, for development, they're really helpful. I haven't ever done it just for fun socially because all of the people I play board games with regularly are here, and I have this huge store with an amazing, huge library of games, so it seems kind of silly to sell my computer <laughs> and do that. But I get why other people would do it, but I kind of need to leave my computer after I've been here all day anyway. <laughs> but um, for development, that's incredible. So one of the games we're working on right now, we've been using it, and it was super fun because I can get people from all over the U.S. that I know to come in and jump in and play it and give us their thoughts really quickly. And even my 10-year-old nephew, I had him jump in on one of our playtest games one day and see what he thought about it. Because it's it's got some cool little puzzly aspects to it, and I knew he would really like that, and he loves board games, so this is neat. Let's see what a 10-year-old thinks about this game, because they're a reasonable population too. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't used it much for fun. Do you play on that often? So I do have a membership to Tabletopia. I've only played a few things on there, but a couple of friends and I have been talking about maybe doing like a weekly stream out to Twitch and using something like that. Fun. That's a so really good idea. We've kind of thought about doing something like that because, I mean, we we all live fairly close. I mean, I live about 20 to 25 minutes away from the game store. I mean, which isn't that bad, but there are some nights where it's just like, I really don't want to go down to the game store. I kind of maybe just like to play a game. And I was talking to a couple of the guys that I normally game with in my group. You know, and I was like, last week or the week before, I think it was last week, me and the one guy played Food Chain Magnate online. Nice, yeah. I mean, so, because that's, we really like that game and everything. And so he, you know, there was one night where I was, I had to do some stuff for work and I was like, I got to do some stuff for work, but I go, I can't make it down to the game store, but I go, I still probably have some time to where I can squeeze in a game. I go, you want to just try the online part? So we did and we were just like, you know, I like, I, I have like my own voice server set up to where we can chat back and forth and everything mm -hmm. because I, I play a lot of online games and stuff so we just did that and it worked out great we both had a really good time playing you know food chain magnate and i told him i'm like maybe we should do this with tabletopia get another person in here and do like three people on here and do like a stream maybe like a weekly stream and he was like that sounds cool and i'm like okay i think we may have something here i like that a lot that is a super good idea that would be fun so well, maybe we'll have to have you join us sometime. Let me know. That would be awesome. Well, I would definitely play Food Chain Magnet with you. <laughs> well, not only Food Chain Magnet, but one of the nice things with the Tabletopia that I noticed is not everybody needs to have an account. I think only the person setting up the game needs to have the account, and then they can invite people to play games with them, and they don't have to have the Tabletopia account, I've noticed. Oh, I didn't realize that. Brilliant. I, I think a lot. Of, I don't think a lot of people know this because I sat here playing stuff one day, and I just had the game on two different screens up here, and I was just playing two different, you know, two players. But I had was logged in as one person, and then I just invited as a guest somebody else into another browser, and oh. I was like, "Hey, this is interesting." <laughs> so yeah, yeah that, I that did not may, realize that. That may be something we may be coming up with in the future. So that's some ideas I have kind of floating around. So. You know, that's, awesome. that's, that's something I've been wanting to get back into more Twitch streaming. And if I could do it with board gaming, that's even better rather than sitting here and playing video games. Yeah, definitely. Well, let me know. That sounds like fun. I definitely <laughs> will. So one of the big things in the past year or so is Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Now, we were just talking, you know, like I was just saying, a lot of the, a lot of the people I play games with, you know, they really like a lot of the games you guys are putting out. You guys are a smaller publisher. You just said there's just a, a small team of you guys but yet you don't use Kickstarter. I mean, there's way bigger publishers it seems, that, are using, <laughs> that are using Kickstarter. I don't want you guys to, but have you guys ever thought about it? 
So actually, Lanterns was a Kickstarter project that Scott found on Kickstarter and then contacted the publisher at the time, and now we co-published that with okay. Foxtrot Games. So that one was Kickstarted, and the same thing with World's Fair, um, Foxtrot got that game, developed it, did a fantastic job making it just absolutely gorgeous, and then kickstarted it, and then we published it with them after the Kickstarter was done. So that's not necessarily something we want to do all the time, but there are certainly some benefits to that, to get some feedback ahead of time. I think there are some mistakes that are made with Kickstarter sometimes too, where maybe you want to publish this and get it to a really wide audience in the hobby market and support retail stores, but you've done this Kickstarter and sold it to so many people on the Kickstarter that then it's there's not a lot left over for retailers. Yeah. So, and that's a fine strategy. Like if that's what you're you're wanting to do, that's okay, and I have nothing against that. But if you want to work with hobby stores and get their support too, then it's just a different way of doing things. And since Scott owned a store in Colorado about 13 years ago, and I currently own a store, we're pretty connected with retail hobby store owners and what their wants and needs are. And if we can do something that's good for them and good for our fan base, then that seems like a win for everybody. So the Kickstarter projects we have been involved in have been very small ones that don't have a lot of crazy deluxe extra stuff that you can't get anywhere else that's exclusive. So it works fine for us to co-publish with them. Yep, and those are the types of Kickstarters I prefer. All the extra, all that extra stuff that you're getting and they make exclusives and everything, I, I tend to try to just stay away from those. And I tend to, I would say six months to a year ago, I started, you know, getting that little Kickstarter itch. You know, after your first one, you're like, oh, this is kind of fun, you know. So I did a couple more and I, I probably haven't done more than like 20, I would say. But most of them, it's just like, I'd almost rather just wait for them to hit the store. I mean, there's really yeah. no real big reason for me to once 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 something funds, there's really no real big reason for me to get it maybe a month or so early. I mean, I have so many things here to play right now. My wife's constantly yelling at me. Why are you still buying stuff? <laughs> we have how many games upstairs we haven't played? And I'm like, it's for the show, though. I need it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll occasionally back things myself. But then I'm kind of sad that I don't have it now because I want to play it right away. So I feel exactly the same. <laughs> but but then when it shows up six months later and you've like bought all these other games for the month and you're like, well, I really shouldn't buy any more games for the month. And then something shows up like, like I got Seafall the other day. I forgot I had ordered Seafall from Plaid Hat, you know, and I was just like, nice. I was like, what box is this? I go, I haven't ordered anything. And then I opened it up. I was like, oh, Seafall's here. So I was like, <laughs> and it was funny because earlier that day, I was chatting with a couple of guys that I was probably going to be doing the Twitch stream with. And I was like, you know, we need to start coming up with a weekly game group because I want to start playing some of these legacy games, Seafall being the first one. And a couple of the guys were like, definitely I'm in. And I was like, well, I go, the house we're, we live in right now, you know, we're doing a little work in the kitchen area. Once we get this stuff done and there's no more construction going on and everything's cleaned up, <laughs> I go, you know, I can start having you guys over like once a week. So everybody's like, that's cool, you know. And then like later on that day, Seafall showed up and I sent a picture to both guys. I was like, hmm, okay, weren't we just talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> that's great to have you. <laughs> so, but it's, it's, sometimes it's fun getting those things, but yeah, it's, well, that really wasn't a Kickstarter. That was just a pre-order from them. Cause that was, oh, yeah. 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 At Gen Con getting any of those games, I was like, I'm not even going to go near those things. That's. They were sold out before <laughs> you thought about it. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But at the, at the Alliance open house, like what we were just talking about with Kickstarter, I mean, that was one of the real big discussions and a lot of the different, you know, seminars that you were going to a lot of the different companies talking about maybe doing a Kickstarter, what their stance was on it and everything. And people just saying, 
you know, most retail most retailers just really aren't the keenest on it. It can be really tough for them. And I yeah. feel that as a retailer too, when I'm sitting there playing board games with my group and they're my friends, but they're also my customers and they're telling me about all these games that they bought on Kickstarter instead of buying <laughs> stuff for me. Like, oh, sad face, but yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it's fine. I understand. I like buying stuff on Kickstarter too, but, <laughs> but yeah, it'd be, it'd be better if we could support everybody. That's and well, that's and that's what that's what I tend to do. I mean, I normally just shop at the game store that I go to, you know, recess and everything, and that's where I get most of my stuff from. And like I said, I back a few Kickstarters here and there, but even lately on Kickstarter, I've just been trying to just let me wait for it to come out to retail because right now there are just so many games being released that I want now. I don't yeah. have to wait six months for anything. Well, <laughs> like and a lot of Kickstarters are starting to do retailer backer options right. too. So yeah. that's pretty handy. Maybe you yes. can get it through recess and then you don't have to wait for it. Yeah. Or that's, any longer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we've, that's what we've done on a couple, but let's talk about some of the newer releases that you guys had come out. We've just had, yeah. you guys have just had covert come out. Lotus came out. I played both of those. I played covert at, um, I, I played covert a couple weeks ago and then I just played Lotus last week. Nice. And Lotus seems like the reviews are really good. I mean, everybody really likes it. I talked about it on last week's podcast. I did a nice little review of it. And, I'm, I, you know, like I mentioned on the podcast, I was like, this game, you know, I had heard some buzz about it, but I really didn't pay too much attention to it. But after playing it, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get this because I know my wife and I would like to sit around and play this thing. We like card games like that. That's a nice little light game that both of us would just like to enjoy, you know, after a couple beers or something, you know, it'd be nice and cool. Yeah, I mean, so. definitely. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I actually have it right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think one thing that's great about Lois is that it's just so pretty, but it's also a really solid game, sort of like what we were talking about before. You, It's not enough to just have a good game anymore. You have to do something else with it. And I think the art on this one is just amazing. And it's it really works with good art anyway because you are building these flowers. So for those of you who don't know about Lotus, I guess most people probably heard you last week, but it's a, a flower building game and you have cards in your hands that are petals of these flowers. And each turn you're able to put those petals onto the, the table and each petal gets closer and closer to the full flower blooming. And what's tricky about it, though, is that when the flower blooms, there will be several different types of flowers. But when one flower blooms, whoever has control of the flower, meaning whoever put the most petals there, whoever put um, the total of petals and insect guardians on it, so whoever controls it will get some benefit, but also whoever placed the last petal gets a benefit. So it's a very good back and forth. There's this really nice feeling of balance, and every time you play something, you're giving somebody else a possible benefit as well. And I really like games that have that type of balance in them. And because you're building these beautiful things, the art really needed to stand out. And I think they did a really good job with the art on that one. Oh, I agree 100%. That was one of the things I said last week in my review. I was like, I go, the game is the game I go looks gorgeous I go besides that I go it's a nice light game I go but there's enough strategy that make it makes you want to come back and just play it more because yeah. it's not something that's just too easy that you know you're just like throwing cards down you really have to think okay I have the ability to play possibly two or more pedals right now what does my opponent have in their hand are they going to finish this flower before me to get these points that I may possibly need, you know, and you have to look at, you know, who has more control of there and everything. So there's, well, it's, well, I consider it a lighter game. 
I think the strategy is mm-hmm. kind of deep because of just everything that you really have to pay attention to. And I mean, when we were playing, we played with a group of four and, you know, you'd throw down a couple of petals and most <laughs> of the time you would throw down a couple of petals. And by the time it got back around to your turn, that flower was gone. And like, there's a whole different set of flowers on the table in front of you now. And you're looking at your cards like, uh, okay, that's not what I was prepared for. <laughs> I love the difference in the strategy between a two player game and a four player game. Cause with a two player game, it's really easy to, plan your moves a few turns ahead and set up what you want to have happen Mm -hmm. with a four player game you really have to pay attention to controlling the flowers instead of just throwing a bunch of petals out there because there's a little bit more chaos between when you play your cards and when it comes back to you so using different strategies you can be more effective but it's it's really good at either player account and three as well it's just it's really smooth. I'm surprised by that because a lot of games are great at two or great at four, but very few are good at both. Right. And that's, I agree with you 100% in the strategy. And that strategy I noticed a little too late in my game when I was playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, were, there were other people that were doing the control thing, and I was like, okay, this just finally clicked. And I'm like, I really need to start paying more attention to that. And, you, you know, and I think getting in those extra bonus <laughs> tiles are is something I, you know, like I grabbed, I think two of them right away and then started taking the five, you know, bonus point tokens. But then I grabbed the last one to really see that. And I don't think, I don't think I realized when when we were playing that the one lets you play three or more pedals. Yeah, that was really good. And I thought the way it was explained to me, it lets you play up to three pedals, not Mm -hmm. three or not, you know, not possibly more. So I don't know if I ever had actually four of one pedal in my hand, actually, during the game. (laughs) Um, You know, but it was, but I was just like, I go, this is, I go, okay, this is a game that I, you know, after playing, I definitely need to get. This is, this has got to be added to the collection. Because like I said, I, I know this is a game my wife and I would really like to play. It's it's a really cool little game. Yeah, it was actually designed by Jordan and Mandy. And they're a couple, they've been married for about a year. They're absolutely adorable and just fantastic people. And they have play tested this with the two of them a thousand times at least, maybe more. And I think it's really great optimized at two players because of how much they've tested it together like that. And it's nice that it still works at four, but man, it is a fantastic two-player game. So it's great. You can play it with your wife. You can play it with your buddy. I played it with my mom, and we had a great time, and she's not a gamer. So it's nice. It's so simple that you could teach pretty much anybody how to play this game. But for gamers, there is enough strategy that it's still exciting. And those are the games I like where that, that kind of crossover into the you don't have to be in the hobby to like this game. But if yeah. you are, you know, like you just said, there's enough strategy in there to that. It's like it makes you want to come back for more because you want to try different things and you want to see. And I, I can't wait to try it as two players now because I haven't tried it with two players. Oh, so it's a that, very yeah, different game. That I will think be really enjoy. That it. will be interesting. So that's that's definitely going to be on my list of games to pick up here now. Nice. So, thank you. Thank you. Yet just another one added to my wish list that's on BGG. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll get there. It'll be fine. So, Covert, a couple weeks ago, you guys, that one just came out. And one of my buddies had picked that up and brought that down to the store. We played that one. And at first, I was he was explaining the game, and I was like, I was like, I don't know if I'm getting this thing. And then after a couple of turns, I was like, I go, okay, I see where this is going. And sometimes yeah. the sometimes the dice placement games, the dice manipulation games, sometimes I'm not a huge fan of those, but I liked I liked Covert. I really liked the way and some people thought that, you know, the when you're trying to decipher the numbers and everything, that that slowed down the game a little bit. But I go, I think that's part of the whole 
you know, aspect of the game, you know, being like the covert spy and everything like that. I go, I don't think you'd want to remove that from the game. I mean, yeah, the decoder phase is interesting because it adds that thematic uh, spy right. feel to it. And the rest of it, you're a spy and you're trying to complete missions and you're choosing different action spaces depending on the die that you rolled. Um, to get different actions that will let you collect the things you need for the missions. But then you sort of interrupt the game and decode some messages that give you these little bonuses as well. And I think that's fun. It just reminds you you're playing a spy game every round, which is nice. And it's also nice because it gives you one more avenue to get the things that you need. Right. And that's sort of really the theme of the game is that you'll never get stuck. No matter what bad die roll you have, there are 20 different ways that you can change the dice or put it somewhere else or get a bonus another way. And I think the decoder does that very well. And there were, and during our game, there were a couple of bad die rolls. I know there was one, there was like three turns in a row. I was rolling like three fives. And then like one turn, somebody rolled like four ones. And, and I felt, we kind of felt bad for the, when the one guy rolled four ones because, That's rough. because well, all of us took that first spot on that first so round mean. so he couldn't he couldn't do anything so we were just like the one guy did it and then he played one you know because he only had the ones and i was like well i'm gonna play a one too just so he can't <laughs> i was like do a little take that i was like oh <laughs> but at least he probably still had his reroll token and if he didn't have a reroll token at least he maybe had something on one of the cards that let him add or subtract to his die so yes yeah i don't yeah, know in did. that particular situation but hopefully he was able to do something it was it was just funny because we were all just sitting there laughing you know because like i said i had there were a couple of turns where i would roll you know like several fives and then he just rolled all those ones and we sat there and looked at each other like oh yeah yeah, that's not a good role. <laughs> but I liked a lot of the iconography on the card. I mean, like the phone and the shoe remind you of Get Smart, you know, totally. the old TV show. And just some of those things, I was just like, I go, okay, this is just some of the iconography was just really, really cool, I thought, in the game. Yeah, I love the way the graphic design was done in it. It mm -hmm. does feel very much like that Cold War era. I love even the pins in the different spaces on the map so that it looks like it's hung up on a wall and you're inside a police station trying to figure out where the people went. Just all the little details are really nice. Yeah. I think that was super fun. Yes, yes. It was another very, very good-looking game. We try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So those were out recently. Out coming up, some of the games that I wanted to talk about. Clank was one of the games I played at that Alliance Open House, and I fell in love with Clank. I was just like, I think I mentioned to you, I played three deck builders, and that was probably my favorite deck builder I had played at the weekend. Yay! Yeah, I really like it too. It's I mean, different than other deck builders for sure. And that's, I think that's what I liked about it, because some of the other games I played, I was like, okay, this is deck builder. I'm like, it has a nice theme to it. I'm not into the theme, so... I really, this game just doesn't jive with me. And I'm like, I'm sure it's still going to be a good seller because of the theme that's on there. It's got a good, you know, IP and everything. I was like, so it's, you know, it's it's just not a game that I would probably add to my collection. It's a game that I'd play if somebody pulls it out. It's not bad or anything. But Clank was one I was just like, after I played that, I was like, oh, I can't wait to review this one and actually <laughs> actually be able to do a real review and, you know, talk about it on the podcast and everything. I mean, although I did go through a little bit of the playthrough, I think after that weekend when I had talked about everything I had played at, you know, at the Alliance Open House. But Clank, I mean, I just, after playing, you know, the deck builder, because my wife and I like deck builders and I've like deck builders for years but just the whole thing with the board and moving through and just the different strategies because it seemed like when we were playing i was able to get my character down into the lower parts of the dungeon i was grabbing you know some of the more expensive loot somebody saw that 
I was down lower, so they were about halfway down on the board, and they just tried to break camp and try running out to trap some of us that were in the lower part. <laughs> and they must not have had good movement cards because I... <laughs> I mean, I exited. I exited the dungeon like a turn after them, and they were, you know. And Jim was the one who actually did that, and he sat there looking at me. He was like, "How did you catch up to me?" I'm like, "I guess I just had better movement cards than you." <laughs> <laughs> so, Glick is a really neat game that way because it's a deck builder, but secretly, it's actually more a push your luck game than anything else. And I don't think people understand that until they've played through it once, and then they get it. And yes. that moment when somebody else starts running for the exit, and you're way, way down there. In the depths of the dungeon and you realize you have to get out in only four turns is so suspenseful and that little moment of excitement is just so much fun that you don't get in games very often so i was really impressed with it when i played it the first time too i did not have very high expectations for a generic dungeon deck building game because that sounds like something i've already played before but yes. man this one really knocked my socks off too i've played this a lot of times since then <laughs> since the alliance open house has been good every time yeah and that's what you know that like i said you know i had played you know several deck builders and everything and when i sat down on this one I was like okay it's a deck builder i like this i mean but just when we start playing and you start picking up all the different loot and you're doing all this different stuff and you're really trying to navigate the board you're trying to see okay, can I work my way through this pathway or do I have to take another pathway because I don't have enough, you know, swords to maybe make it through this area, but, you know, because there's monsters over this way, but I can probably make it through, you know, this way. And, you know, you're just trying to just plot out the best best course to go down. The other thing, I think, like I mentioned to Scott when you guys were there, the one thing that I kind of just hinted at, I was like, I'd like to see an expansion with PvP. I was like, there if I... is an expansion that's being worked on. I don't, I haven't seen it yet. So we actually co-published this game with Direwolf Digital. They mm -hmm. are a digital company, and they do apps. They're working on this card game called Eternal right now. That's all online, and they're just a really cool group of people. And they're all gamers, but they make digital games, not physical games. So they're doing our digital version of Lanterns, and that will be coming out later this year. So you'll actually get to play Lanterns on your. Um, iPad or on your, you know, Android. Oh, cool. And yeah, so that's going to be very exciting. And so they're partnering with us on that project. And then they also said, you know, we have this game that we made, but we haven't <laughs> published it because we don't publish board games. Do you want to look at it? And as soon as we saw it, we're like, yeah, this is going to be really cool. So we published their physical game and they're publishing our digital game. So we're awesome. pretty happy to be working with them. And I think that that's part of the reason why it is a little bit different is they come at things from a video game aspect and with that sort of background instead of all these board gamers who've sort of just seen deck building done the same way over and over again. Right. So they took the things that they liked about deck building games that they've played before and just sort of threw a bunch of video game stuff at it. And it, it's awesome. Cool. Well, like I said, I think the expansion, if PvP wouldn't work, maybe have trap cards where you can lay traps as you're going down the dungeon. I like that, that idea. <laughs> you just maybe have to make sure everything's balanced because, you know, you don't want to do too much of attacking, you know, you know, do like the the shark circling the, you know, whoever drew first blood, you know, and every, you know, one person getting all that stuff stacked up. So there would have to be some balance there. But there's, I mean, just playing it, I was just thinking, I was like, oh, there's so many different things you could do with this game. I'm like, the base game is great. I'm like, but... And I know, and I know, some people don't like games where you're attacking other characters and stuff. And my wife loves that stuff, though. So, <laughs> do you want it for her? That's very sweet of you. <laughs> I'm, well, I, I'm used to her, you know, demolishing me in a lot of the games we play. It's just, it's been part of our relationship over the years. It's no big deal. That's awesome. I mean, 
Well, I will let Direwolf know that you want some more to be in there, <laughs> and we'll see what we can make happen. <laughs> Like. So the other things you guys mentioned at Alliance was San- was um, the Santa's Renegade box set, which I thought sounded really cool. I oh, always... we're so excited about this! So we haven't told, we haven't given out a ton of information about it, mm-hmm. but what we did announce at the Alliance Open House is that for the Christmas season, we are making gifts for all of our fans and retailer partners. And what that means is we have this adorable little box that's about the same size as Kitty Pop, if you've seen that. Yep. So it's about hand size. And it'll look like a Christmas present. And inside, you'll find nine different promos from our hottest games. So we've got Lanterns, Lotus, Clank, Covert, all of our Dicey Goblins, all of our recent titles. We'll have special promos in there. They're exclusive to that Renegade uh, box. And you can get it for free from your local retail hobby store if you purchase... $30 $30 worth of Renegade stuff, and they are one of the participating stores. So we're giving them to the retailers for free to help them promote our games during the holiday season, and they will hopefully be giving them away to people as well. And if you already have bought all of our games and have no need to purchase <laughs> any more of them, they are also going to be for sale for just $10. So if you just want to buy it for 10 bucks, there you go. Those I think there. that's an awesome idea because... I love promo cards. I always love getting the additional cards. And, you know, um, that's the one problem with me and some of the games. I'm a completionist. So if I find it, <laughs> if I find a game late, sometimes I look at my wife, I'm like, well, I got to get this, but it's going to cost me a few extra bucks. <laughs> yeah. We realized that pretty early on when I worked at Cryptozoic when we did the DC deck building game and we had some special promo cards and I would get the retail customer service emails to my inbox and have these people who were just really, really sad that they couldn't find this promo card anywhere. So we're really careful to make sure that promos are available in other ways after they're used to begin with in whatever certain way they're being used in. So like we'll do a promo card for retailers exclusively for six months, but then we'll put it up on the BGG store so anybody can get it if maybe they don't have a local retail store near them. And so we like to make sure fans, especially completionists like yourself, have the, have access to it just maybe a little bit later on. It's one of the reasons why I stopped all collectible games. Dice Masters was my last collectible game, and I had to stop that after about six months to a year. I was, I think about, I played it for about a year, and I was like, okay, I'm, this is cutting into board game money that I would like to spend. I'm just <laughs> spending way too much money on one single game and not being able to buy the multitude of games I want, so... I, I tend to try to stay away from the collectible games now. That's fair. <laughs> I just get too bad with those. Yeah, so that can be tricky. The one thing I noticed on the Renegade site, you guys are going to be at Spiel out in Essen. Yes, we will be. Are you going to get to go? Or... I am going. It's my first time ever. I'm Jealous. so excited. I've never even been to Germany before. I cannot wait. There are going to be so many games there. My brain might explode, but... <laughs> I'll try and make it. <laughs> I, I am, can survive. <laughs> I am extremely jealous. I know I was looking on Board Game Geek the past couple of nights, going through some of the lists they have of just all the games that are getting announced and all the games that are going to be there. And it's like, there's like 30 pages out there on the one list they have. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, I've been going through it the past couple of nights and I'm just like reading all these games and I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is, <laughs> I need a second job or something. <laughs> Well, I think it's a little different in Europe because we do have Kickstarter, but traditionally that hasn't been a thing for them. And so in Europe, instead of using Kickstarter, what they've done in the past is used Essen in a similar way, where a little designer will self-publish 
500, maybe 1,000, if they're really fancy, copies of their own game, set up a booth, and release it at Essen. So there may be 30 pages of brand new games coming out at Essen, but they're mostly going to be really tiny little self-published stuff. So some really big titles are coming out as well, but I think it is a little different than Gen Con where every release practically is from a really big publisher. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, just, I can. I've, I've kind of noticed that, and it seems like you know, even even on that thirty page list, there's still games that have been already released, you know, yeah. already here in the U.S. and stuff like that. But I was, I would like I said, I was just going through that list, and you know, I was like, wow, I go, that's just crazy. So, mm-hmm. is there an, is there anything you're looking forward to seeing or doing well in Germany? I mean, that's I've never been to Germany myself, so that's that's awesome. I was wondering if you were going to get to go, so I'm actually kind of glad I I was looking on your site and saw you guys were going out there, so we yeah. can talk a little about this. Well, I'm really excited because we are looking for games to publish next year. So a lot of the time spent there will be just in meetings with either publishers in the U- in Europe who are looking to get their games in the U.S., so maybe we'll license them from them, and also a lot of meetings with just little designers and people that we've met along the way that we want to look at some of their new games. So that'll be really fun. I'm really excited to see what the European style of board games has to offer us because mostly we've been printing things that are more family games, a little bit on the lighter side, but we're getting into some heavier games, and I personally love heavy Euro games. That's what I tend to gravitate towards in my regular gaming life. So if we could get a few of those into the Renegade catalog, I'd be pretty happy. But we have to find the right one. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I'll play any sort of game, but yeah, the heavier Euros are something I've definitely been leaning towards the past, you know, couple of years. It's I don't I don't know what it is about them, but it's just there's just something fun about them. <laughs> yeah. I like having that brain work out. I like having to think through the puzzle and solve the economy or whatever it is that we're doing in that game, and I just find that very enjoyable. But I won't pass up a game of Codenames or Captain Sonar either. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's good to just get a quick laugh into. <laughs> well, that's awesome that you're getting to go there. So have a safe trip and everything when you do go there. Yeah. That's that's it. That's that's awesome. Maybe someday I will end up there. I know this is my first year at Gen Con. Next year I've already booked my hotel for Origins cuz even though I live in Ohio and Columbus is like a couple hours south of me, I haven't been there yet. What? The past couple <laughs> the past couple of years that I've wanted to go, something for work has come up or something else has come up, you know, some, you know, real life commitment, you know, got to be an adult. You know, so I was Definitely I told my I t- yeah, I told my wife I was like you know, when I heard um, the hotel blocks were going on um, start to register a couple weeks ago, I was like, I am getting a hotel down in Columbus. We are staying at the location to where I don't have to drive in or take a, take a you know, the, the subway in or anything like that. Because, like, when, we, when, we, when my wife and I went out to PAX, we stayed probably a good 20, 25 minutes away, but we took the train in mm-hmm. every yep. day. So it was just like, you know, if we ever wanted to just kick back during the day and just relax a little bit, you really can't do that when you're having to take the train in and out of town. I mean, yeah. so I, that's why I told her, I go, when if we're, if we're doing this thing, I go, we have friends that live down in Columbus. I go, you don't have to stay with me at, you know, Origins the whole time. I go, I would like it if you did, but I go, you don't have to. I go, if you ever want to go hang out with, with our friends and stuff like that, that's completely cool. I was like, but I will be there, you know, within this complex, probably for <laughs> the, the whole days. 
So. That's totally reasonable. Origins is so delightful. I think you'll really enjoy how different it is from Gen Con. It's a lot more time to just sit around and play games, and you can get a lot more face-to-face time with the publishers and your fellow gamers. It's just not that same rushed feeling. And that's exactly what I've heard, and that's why I was like, "This is I'm doing this for the whole for you know I'm I'm going down there for the whole kit and caboodle this time. We're not missing any of it. So you'll love it. It'll be a blast. Okay, so we've talked about stuff you guys have released stuff you guys are releasing but what have you been playing lately what type oh, of games geez. have you been getting to the table <laughs> so last night i went down to a local cider house and played eight minute empire for the first time it's a game by red raven games okay and that was super super fun um i enjoyed the area control and i like the cards picking the cards in that set collection part of it it's this very tiny little game. Um, it came out in 2013, so it's a little bit older, but that was really fun. It was sort of our last game of the night. Before that, we were playing prototypes. Um, some of my group was just helping me test a few little things I was helping um, the designer tweak. So that's what we did last night, but then earlier this weekend, I got uh, to play Zulkin, and I've played it many times before, but not for maybe a year or so. I bought it at BGGCon many years ago, right when it came out, and I love that game. Yes. So I was really happy to get it to the table again. Yeah, that's a game that I don't have in my collection yet, but I've played it down at the store, and... The first time I played it, I really just liked the whole mechanic with the gears and everything. And that game is, that's another game that's just gorgeous. The way that, especially when you see some of the people who post their pictures on BGG, where they paint the gears and everything. Oh my gosh. And just take that to the next <laughs> level. And you're just like, oh, that looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so pretty. I need to make my husband do that because he paints pretty well. And I'm a terrible artist in every way, but he could make those beautiful. So I think I need to ask for that. <laughs> I've, I've asked my wife to do some painting for me and she goes you know I can't paint she's really good with crafts and she's really good with you know with just designing stuff and everything but painting she's like she goes I don't I can't paint and I'm like (laughs) I go I talk I go I can't draw for anything or you know do any painting so that's that's definitely not my thing so oh man yeah you'll have to find somebody (laughs) well well, once I get the game I I will definitely have to but yeah that's that's a game that I think is really cool I I really like that one when I first the first time I sat down to play with it and I think the first time I played it I think we we played with the expansion as well which which added some which added some some additional stuff to the game which I thought was really cool yeah, that's a lot. That's a, a already such a heavy game, adding the expansion to it on your first play. That's courageous. <laughs> the guys I play with, they normally when we play something, they're like, if there's a beginning version to the game, they're like, we don't play that. And I'm like, <laughs> we, we probably, I'm, like, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, we probably should once. Because it's, I'm the person who will usually go down to the store and somebody else will have the game and somebody else will learn it. And they'll teach it to us, and then I'll walk away and I'll be like, I know something was played there, Not, you know, we, we did something wrong there, and I'll go home and read the rules, watch some videos, and come back, and I'll be like, okay, guys, here's how we were supposed to play this. <laughs> 80% rule. If you get 80% of the rules, you're fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily a rules lawyer during a game, but I like to make sure we're playing a game correctly. So, uh, you know, if it's a game that somebody's, you know, like, like if it's a game maybe Jim's teaching and somebody taught it to him, I'm like, I know this is telephone, so I know there's going to be stuff lost in translation. <laughs> so as we're sitting there playing the game, I'll be thumbing through the rules and I'll be like, okay, we're supposed to do this here and this here. 
oh, that's not how I was taught. I'm like, well, that's, well, let's correct that then. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the more I play prototypes, the less I worried about fixing rules because I've realized somebody just made this up to begin with anyway. So why why not make some more stuff up? (laughs) They're flexible. That is true. That is very true. So is there anything else that you've been getting to the table quite a bit? I mean, do you have a, do you have like a normal weekly board game group or anything that you that you hang? I mean, I know you I know you have the store, so I'm guessing this could be a nightly thing. I mean, so I play a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I play every Monday night. We have a really big group of players, like 30 board gamers that come okay. hang out, which is awesome. And that's at our store. And then Thursday nights, we have a smaller group that plays a little bit heavier games usually. So things like Scythe or Food Chain Magnate, like mm-hmm. they'll get that type of stuff on the board on Thursdays. And then Tuesday nights, um, there's a group that will just go to a local cider house. We went to a tea house a couple of weeks ago. So that was really fun, just sort of get out and be a little bit more in the public. And last night we had some people join in who had only ever played basically cribbage, and they walked by and said, this looks really cool. What are you guys doing? And they played coup with us. Oh, so cool. it's, yeah, it's fun to get out and go play in other places occasionally. And then Fridays, I try and get a smaller group together to just work on prototypes. So I play a lot of games. Yes. And then Wednesday night, I play video games with my husband. <laughs> That's awesome. You always you yeah. gotta have, you gotta have that balance. And that was right. Yeah. That was one of the things I talked about in last last week's podcast. My wife and I downloaded um, Don't Starve Together on the PlayStation Four, and we were playing that co-op because it was a game. It was a game that we used we played solo, you know, for a couple of years individually and you know we'd sit there and watch each other play and you know help each other out and stuff like that but it was really cool being able to do that together and try to keep you know try to keep each other alive and you know and not starve while we're playing that's true true. there is one other game i did want to mention because today is the early release of dicey goblins i didn't realize that okay cool how exciting it's like a party today so we're celebrating all of our fantastic retailer partners if they ordered this and are part of our retailer early release program, then they got this two weeks early. So officially this doesn't release until October 19th, but some stores will have this today. And part of the reason we did that with this one is that Steve Ellis and Tyler Tinsey are the designers of Dicey Goblins. And it they uh, will... Steve also owns a store, Rainy Day Games, in Aloha, Washington. And it's one of the best stores in the whole country. So if you haven't been to it, you are really missing out. If you're ever in Oregon, you have to go. Um, But, yeah, so he and his friend Tyler designed this at one of their local game nights at their store. And they were just sitting there hanging out and came up with this idea for a game. And we published it. And it's a really fun, push-your-luck, really quick little... um, little game where you are competing against other people to try and get the most dragon eggs as goblins and try not to get caught by the dragon. Cool. That sounds actually pretty fun. I, it's we, really cute. Yeah. yeah. We like push your luck games. We, my wife and I actually like to sit around and play those because sometimes those are the games you really don't have to concentrate. You know, like if you're playing like um, Viticulture with a bunch of Tuscany expansions, yeah. you know, sometimes she walks away from, sometimes she'll walk away from the table and be like, I have a headache. I, I need a glass of wine. <laughs> You know, and other times it's like, you know, hey, we can drink wine while we're playing because we don't have to worry about and think too much. <laughs> this is a good drink wine and play game for sure. <laughs> yeah, we played it at our game night last week, just in between a couple of games. We were waiting for somebody to finish up with somebody else and we got on the table and we played it and we're really 
excited about how it went and there were some really good suspenseful moves that happened and so then we just played it again because it had only been 15 minutes since we started so you can get it on the table over and over again or just play it once and put it away and play viticulture (laughs) (laughs) that sounds great okay so we went over the whole synopsis at the top of the show and i said you know we'll talk about all this different stuff you know and the games that you played is there anything that you want to play that's coming up that maybe hasn't been released yet Oh, there are so many things. Um, <laughs> Beast of Odin is on my list. I think that one looks super. That, super yes, cool. I agree. That I agree. That one does look pretty good. I've seen. I've been seeing some previews for that one, and that that has kind of caught my eye as well lately. Yeah, I love UA Rosenberg, and I'll play yes. anything he makes. Like Fields of Arlie is just fantastic. I love playing that one with my husband on a dreary evening when it's just the two of us. It's wonderful. So I'm looking forward to Feast of Odin. Um, and then also Mask of Anubis looks really weird. I don't know if it's just going to be super gimmicky or if it's going to be amazing, but either way it will be different. So. I can I can tell you a little podcast that reviewed that a couple maybe a month or so ago. Oh, <laughs> one of my one of my buddies that's in my normal game group, uh, actually, his girlfriend's Japanese and they just got back from Japan about a month ago and he brought that back with him. So I was able to play that multiple times and I actually reviewed that oh. on one of my shows a while ago. Oh, I need to listen to that. Like <laughs> it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it was really cool. We've played that multiple times. OK, it's, yeah, it's really, fun. really neat. I mean, when you're sitting there looking in that mask and you know looking at the phone and trying to describe everything to somebody i mean after the first time we played it we were like okay we need to come up with you know like okay i'm standing here and if to my right i see you know there's we tried to come up with like how to start off describing where you're standing and stuff like that you know and not just start saying like up oh, over here and everything you know it's like because you're trying to place these tiles down and the people who are listening to you it can get so confusing and everybody's <laughs> you know trying to put tiles down on top of each other and you're trying to figure out what they're saying and sometimes it's just it's just crazy but that game i i the, the first thing i said is i go god i hope this gets a u.s release yes i would like for that to happen i was like i go that is awesome because i mean I know there's a lot of people who do board games and they're like, oh, I don't like apps and everything like that. And that's, the, you know, the app's not going to work in a year or it's, you know, once I upgrade my phone, it's not going to work. You know, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm I've worked in te- <laughs> I've worked in technology for over 20 years. I'm like, trust me, if it's good, it will never go away. Yeah, I, that's yeah. the simple truth of the fact in technology. But when I saw that and everything, I was just like, that's pretty that's pretty damn cool. <laughs> well, and then yesterday, Google announced all of their new products coming out, and they have the squishy VR headset thing that you can put their new phone into. That I, looked very exciting. I ordered their new phone. My husband ordered it today, too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right at, right at the end of the announcement, I was, like, hitting F5 on their website, getting ready to order the phone, and I was just like, and I texted no. my wife. I was like, that cost a little bit more than I wanted to. I'm sorry, but. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> But I was excited to see that they're supporting things like VR headsets and actually yes. getting the technology to work together well, because then things like Mask of Anubis should just be that much smoother. Oh, yeah. So I can't yeah. wait to see what people do in that environment. Oh, I'm, I'm really excited. Excited. I mean, there's, I mean, one of the games I really enjoyed last year was Alchemist, which had the app, which which I thought was really cool. I it's mean, my favorite so... game. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I love that game so much, so I can't wait for the expansion. I guess that was, I was going through some of this stuff, um, 
you know, some of the stuff that's coming out at Essen and everything. And one of the things I saw was the expansion for Alchemist. And I was like, okay, that, that's, that's on my wish list now. I've, I've been wanting that for a while. Yeah, and yeah. That, was, that was an insta-buy for me when I kind of saw that one. I go, this looks pretty cool. So Yeah, I have one saved for myself as well. <laughs> I'll be stopping by the Tech Games booth de- definitely by the first day. <laughs> that's funny. So anything else you're looking forward to? Oh, geez. Um, Innis looks very cool. It's coming out. It's a Matago game. It's coming out by Asmodee North America, I believe, maybe. Um, I'll have to look at that one. I don't know that one. So. I don't know if that one's I might be wrong about that, but um, yeah, Innis, it look, it's a Scottish game, and the artwork is really funky on it. It's like a, a more painted style. It's very different, and... It just sounded like a good Euro game that I would probably enjoy. But honestly, I don't know a ton about it yet. I am looking forward to going and playing it and see if it's really for me, but cool. it probably will be. <laughs> so that's, I that's, like most of Matigo's stuff. Sometimes you almost try to stay away from reading too, too much about a game because you almost want that little bit of surprise and you don't want to build up too much hype for the game in you know inside yourself. Because right. someti- some, then sometimes you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, that was good, but it wasn't really what I was expecting. So... Sometimes I like researching the games, but then sometimes I'm like, oh, I kind of wish I wouldn't have known maybe that fact about it. Or, you know, maybe I would have just liked to unbox it and learn some of these things. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But But that's okay. (laughs) Speaking of which, I'm halfway through Time Stories, The Mask. Oh, I can't remember the rest of the name. It's the most recent one, the Egyptian-themed one. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to finishing that because we made it halfway through and died several times. So now we have to go and actually finish that campaign. <laughs> my wife and I my wife and I started the first one a couple of months ago and we haven't made it back to finishing it. And she's normally not a co op fan. She likes to be able to beat me at a game. <laughs> so co ops usually aren't her thing. Um but and she's usually not really into stories, but that one she really liked. And I was just like and we I've just been trying to play so much so many other things and there's just been a couple other things going on to where we haven't had a chance to revisit it. But I'm hoping we get that one back to the table and I'd like to get I have the base game and then the first expansion, but I don't have the the two other expansions after that I think that have been released. Yeah. So. Yeah, we we've played all of them up through that one we're working on right now and I think they get even better. The first one I thought was really hard and at the end of it we were just kind of still a little confused. Like we <laughs> we got the puzzle at the end, but then the second one was also super tricky and this third one the third one seems like it got balanced out a little bit and they figured out how it should work maybe and then I'm doing I guess what's the fourth one now. Right. And it, really cool. It's got a great story. It's different than the other ones. They added some new mechanics that are neat that I'm happy about, but no spoilers this time. So you'll just have to play through them. I will definitely have to get through those. It's I, yeah, I, that was a game that I, I think she got for me last Christmas. I can't remember if I bought that or she got me that as a Christmas gift, but I was really stoked when, when I got that one, cause I had heard a lot of good things about it. And after we played it that first time, I was like, yeah, this is, I, I like story type games as well. I mean, I, yeah. I really, I mean, from, playing D&D and everything back, you know, as a teenager and something like that, I've always just liked story and adventure type games, so. That's very cool. All right. Well, we have been talking for a little while. Yes, we have been. (laughs) It's been wonderful, though. It has been. It's been a great conversation. Is there anything else, I guess, before we want to finish up that you maybe want to say, like anything else that Renegade's coming out with or anything else you want to talk about game-wise? For sure, yeah. We have another game that's coming out. Well, we have lots of games, to be totally fair. 
<laughs> we have um, this one is coming out about a month from now. This is Doggy Go. It's the predecessor, or I'm sorry, it's the next one in the line of Kitty Paw games by Aza Chen. And that one, if you like Kitty Paw, it's another really quick, cute, silly game where you're trying to arrange dog tiles on in your area to fit a card. It's really silly, and it'll make your entire group just be an uproarious laughter the whole time. Um, but then the next one coming out I'm really excited about at the end of November will be The Blood of an Englishman by Dan Kassar, yes. who was the designer of Arboretum. And I love Arboretum so much that I was a ridiculous fanboy when I met Dan the first time <laughs> because he is just not only a very, very nice guy, but one of my favorite designers. And it's been very fun working on a project with him. So I can't wait to show everybody the artwork and show everybody how cool his game is and play it with people at BGG Con. Yeah, I, um, can't, I can't even tell you how many times my wife and I have played Arboretum. That is definitely... I love that game. I was, I was so glad I purchased that when that one came into the store and didn't wait because it seemed like once it was out, it took forever for us to get back in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think it's in print right now either because we've had the same problem with my store. We always like to keep it on the shelf, and it's just been impossible to get. So I am really hoping that Blood of an Englishman has that much success, but that we can keep it in print a little bit better yeah. <laughs> so people can actually play it. <laughs> but, yeah, if you want to keep up with what we have going on and make sure you see all of our new upcoming releases, we are at Play Renegade on Twitter, and we are also on Facebook under Renegade Game Studios. I have a release calendar on our website that I keep up to date if you're wondering when things are coming out. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. And I love hearing from people. So if you want to write to me on Twitter at 3 in the morning, you can do that. <laughs> and I may or may not respond until later. <laughs> but it would be fun anyway. <laughs> I'll have to remember that. Maybe one night when I'm out drinking with the wife, I'll have to send a little text. Hey, we're playing this. <laughs> <laughs> we used to get phone calls all the time at the store with magic questions. We still do. I'm just not at the counter like I used to oh be. Oh, my gosh. But people would call us and say, hey, you know, if we have this flame giant, he's attacking this elf. What happened? And <laughs> so I love it when I get rule questions from people on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever because it reminds me of my magic days. <laughs> That's funny. I when I worked back at the store, I don't think we ever got too many phone calls for magic back in the day. I can't remember wow. too many of that happening. I'm trying to really think if we did. I mean, it was uh, maybe we did. And I just don't remember because, I mean, it was, it's been a while since I've actually worked at the retail store. A couple of years, we'll say. That's fair. <laughs> That's oh, fun, though. I love it. gamers. They're just really excited and passionate about what they're doing. So no matter what question they have, I'm happy about it. Yes, yeah, it's, I yeah, I definitely love this hobby. It's you meet so many great people going to so many of the different like Gen Con and everything. I met so many people at the Alliance Open House. I met so many great people. I mean, it was just, it's just really cool and just, you know, the way we can just sit here and just talk about games for over an hour. I mean, it's just like okay, boom, yeah. <laughs> boom. it's like okay, an hour just went by and you know we're just sitting here chatting and everything and, you know, I'm sure you're probably your husband's probably like okay, it's dinner time. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure my wife's probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay it's games it can wait <laughs> everything um, else is less important <laughs> and they do but i don't think i have any other questions i think we've gone through the whole list of questions i had awesome so well, it was fun chatting with you thank i would you so definitely yes i would definitely like to thank you for being on the show i can't thank you enough 
hopefully I can have some more people on, and hopefully after you guys get a couple more games out or maybe some new announcements, we can have you on again and we can chat about some other things that are coming up in Renegade's future. That would be wonderful. I'd love to be back. All right. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. I appreciate you joining me today, and stay tuned, everybody, for the rest of the show. Thanks. Bye. Well, I'd like to thank Sarah for coming on the show and sharing with us some of the insights into Renegade Game Studios. I'd also like to thank her for sharing some of the games that she's playing currently, as well as a few of the games that she wants to play. But until next week, you know what you need to do. Send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. You can join us over at our board game Geek Guild. We are guild number 2440. Just search for what I'm playing now. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Well, everybody, until next week, go out there, play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye.